Hey, everybody, and special hello today to Michael. Michael is back. Non-Pastor Michael has rejoined us after the birth of Lennon, and we are so pumped and excited that you're here. Uh, but this has been a season of lots of big, grand, new things in your life. Tell us what happened Saturday. Uh, I graduated uh, with my Master's of Arts in Theology and Ministry. What? Woohoo! So... Michael is the official... Here come the big bucks. Here come the big bucks. Michael is the official master <laughs> of theology and ministry. I'm here with Melissa, who's a master of the divine, and so we are just in good shape along the way. I had to laugh Saturday afternoon as, as I was... Or evening, I guess, as I was looking at Facebook. You had posted some graduation pictures, and there, Ellie looked really cute, and there were lots of little moments of celebration along the way, and, and God, those TCU uh, purple... <laughs> Uh, robes are awful. Can't I can't get them out. Go. No, I can't let it go. They're just terrible. I thought they looked nice. <laughs> well, you know. I felt royal. Hey, very good. <laughs> or like Prince, or <laughs> one or the other. <laughs> That's very good. But one of the things that I laughed at as I was looking at your pictures, uh, and it felt a little weird to laugh at it, but... <laughs> But it was grounded because I know you well enough. When you posted your pictures, you posted them with a little pithy epitaph that <laughs> with without knowing you, without context, could have been very, I don't know, received very different. What did you, you say again? Uh, I said, uh, this degree is dedicated to my fifth grade teacher uh, who once pulled my hair and whispered in my ears, you will never amount to anything. Which is a true story. It is. It is Mama Manly confirmed. Yes. On the Facebooks. She actually, uh, she texted me today and talking about how sad it made her. <laughs> and I was like, Mom, I, it was literally, it was a joke. And she's like, but that was just so sad. And I was like, yeah, it was. It was. But I, you know, it was a long time ago. Yeah. And uh, I, I don't know. I was just, you're right. I was just trying to be pithy. But a lot of people took it as... I had deep heartache against the machine. <laughs> like as as I, I was being hooded, wrong. as yeah. I was being hooded, Am my I tears. Am I allowed to like this, or yeah. do I need to put the sad emoji? Yeah. But it's a celebration. I'm just very confused. No, I just just go with emotions. wow, open mouth. Well, yeah, there you go. I can't help. Or the it. heart. Heart is universal. Yeah, right? it's no. I love you. I love this. You know, whatever. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I just can't. I can't help to undercut things with uh, humor and. Uh, well, but, but what, what you describe in what your little joke provoked, I think, is a powerful thing in that our words have power. No, yeah. No matter whether, I mean, even power beyond what they're expected to have, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you're, you're thinking in that moment, I'm going to have a joke, and you evoked emotions very different than what you intended to evoke by telling the story. And to be fair, our jokes often come from places of... Uh truth and things that we have, we have wrestled with. And, uh, yeah, I, I, again, I, I posted it thought thinking, Oh, this is funny. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, you're right. Like that was something that, uh, was hurtful mm. at the time. And, uh, and like I said, it did happen. I was one of, the, I was one of those kids who, who I just, I loved talking in class, and I and yes, I was a lot more interested in in talking with my neighbors than uh, being quiet and doing work. Uh, and most of my my teachers up until that point, uh, they 
they knew I was a handful, but they also I they, I always felt that they cherished me. Mm-hmm. I learned that humor was a like a defense mechanism very early on in terms of like I can I can use humor to really like get people to like Endearing me, and it, and it worked yeah. with teachers too. They liked how funny I was. They liked that I had, I was good humored about everything. But they also were like, "But seriously, you you Do need to stuff. be quiet." <laughs> <laughs> uh, but they, there was always they always really I think had affection for me. Boy, my fifth grade teacher, who shall go unnamed, uh, she did not have affection for me at all, and. Uh, I think I just wore on her ever loving nerve, and mm. until that moment where she did, she she grabbed my hair, yanked my head back when I was talking to somebody next to me, and whispered that in my ear. And you're right, like that. I haven't ever forgotten that. Mm. Yeah. Um, but I can't. And some some people might be like, "Well, wasn't that a great motivator for you?" But it really wasn't um, yeah. because I, I think. Sometimes, especially when you're that young, the things that adults tell you about yourself, yeah. you so easily internalize those things. Mm-hmm. And I, honestly, for a very long time, uh, I would say up into high school, uh, I just thought, uh, I kind of believed that sometimes mm-hmm. about myself, that I wasn't going to amount to anything. Whenever I would struggle... Yeah. Uh, with particular, I mean, I, I was terrible. At ma- I'm still terrible at math. Uh, and whenever I was struggling with math, I, I would think, well, I'm, you know, I'm just not meant to succeed at this, and I'm just going to be terrible at it. And I'm just so yes, there there are those times where those kinds of things can really be hurtful. But thankfully, I can laugh about it now. But well, yeah, absolutely. But I think part of you know the interesting emotional response you evoked in so many different people. It is that everybody, I'm assuming, everybody I've known <laughs> has had one of those moments mm-hmm. along the way where oh, yeah. somebody, uh, despite probably normally being a very good person, despite normally having the best of intentions, says something unintentionally that just sticks with you mm-hmm. and, and becomes a part of that narrative in your mind. Yeah. I remember in, in early elementary school, we had a church choir director who led the kids choir. And we, I mean, we had, I don't know, 15, 20 kids in this room singing songs and, you know, early elementary kids songs, right? It's Jesus loves me and assorted hits, right? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Everybody's singing in unison. Everybody's singing the same thing. And if you haven't figured it out now, I'm a bass in our choir now. No, no. (laughs) Um, but she said, and, and apparently back in the third grade or whenever this was early elementary, I would sing like in on pitch in tune with everybody else, but an octave lower than everybody else. And so she turned to me very early in elementary school and said, it's time to use your pretty voice, Daniel. (laughs) And for the longest time, I didn't think, I mean like that impacted my willingness to sing for a long time. Yeah. And like, up through college, I didn't trust myself to sing on my own. I sang in choirs the whole time. But that trust your pretty voice, or it's time to use your pretty voice, Daniel, was sort of a defining thing where like, I'd have friends who, who would sing, um, but there was this deal where it's like, well, of course they're better than me for the mm-hmm. longest time. And, and it doesn't matter Hill of Beans whether they were or weren't. In my mind they were because yeah. I still had that little mm-hmm. thing yeah. running in the background. 
And do you feel like she was being like malicious in that instance or just kind of doing a throwaway, like kind of half joking? I don't think the intent was malicious. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, and I don't know that it was half joking either. <laughs> I, I think there was some hazing with everybody Frustration. else. Yeah. Going on. Yeah. Um, but from what I remember of her, I mean, the malicious, I'm going to chew a child and spit them out right now, right? Mm-hmm. Chew them up, spit them out. That wasn't her personality, right? Right, in general thing. It just was, okay, let's let's use our pretty voice now, please. Because that's another thing that um, I've had, be, being in youth ministry, man, mm. kids remember the things yeah. that adults say to them. And so, and and. Sometimes even know, they even know, like, I know that they didn't mean sure. it in this way, but, man, it, it it still can hurt in really bad ways. Yeah. Mm. I remember uh, being a freshman in college, and, you know, it's one of those things, too, where when you look up to someone, there's mm. another layer yeah. of yeah. that that gets added. And I was interning at the church that I had... Um, you know, I had graduated from high school and I had attended there and I went back to go volunteer with the junior high students and I had to do it for a class. And at the end of the class, I had to, um, ask my youth director, these like exiting kind of questions and interviews and a question that wasn't on the page, but I asked was essentially just what can I do with this piece of paper when I graduate as a religion major? Mm-hmm. In his response to me, and he meant it so wholeheartedly, was you'd make a wonderful children's director, and maybe one day you could be a youth director Mm. like me. And to him, that was the most encouraging thing he could say. Like, yeah, you can use that piece of paper. But for me, it wasn't a great motivator. It was something that I left the doors of the church and didn't go back in them for a couple of years after that, except mm. for, you know, on the high holy days with the parents kind of thing. Um, because for me, and I knew he knew it as well, that I wasn't called to mm. children or yeah. youth ministry. And there are those people who are, and I respect that, but it wasn't mine. And it absolutely crushed me. For him to say, I see your gifts, I see your talents, I see what you do, but yet this is the place that you belong and nowhere else. Yeah. Welcome to the Gather, Grow, Go podcast. I'm Pastor Daniel. I'm Pastor Melissa. And I'm non-Pastor Michael. We are so glad you're back, non-Pastor Michael. And and just for a reference, as we get grounded in our time together today, we are continuing in the Acts of the Apostles, beginning with chapter 9 and continuing through 13? Chapter 14. 14. One 14. more. We've One got more. a big chunk this week. We do. We do. So we invite you, if you are at home, um, not if you're driving, but if you're at home <laughs> to and you want to read a little bit ahead of time, go ahead and hit pause now and come back to us after you've read through there. Just one note, we're going to spend a, a big chunk of our time wrestling in chapter 9 with yeah. uh, the conversion of Saul and, and his shift from being a persecutor to a embodier and, and proclaimer of the gospel along the way. So you get some real classic, like when you think of the book of Acts, mm-hmm. 
moments in this section of stories, of course, starting, you know, with where we're going to spend a lot of time with, um, with Saul and the conversion story of on the road to Damascus. You get the story of Talitha Kum, right? The mm-hmm. rise, my child, if we've seen yeah. that on anything. Yeah. Um, we get the story of the um, Cornelius, the Roman centurion in this moment of um, Pentecost for the Gentiles, where they realize that all are welcome to come. Um, yeah. They're just moment after moment. You get the moment of of the great linen cloth coming down mm. from the sky mm-hmm. and, um, and realizing that God has made and called it good. Yeah. So why, why, why do, do we, we dare? Why do we call it unclean? Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Well, I think we also see it during this chunk, we in the Acts of the Apostles, we've seen where the gospel and the Holy Spirit, it... It begins with the community in, in Jerusalem, then it goes to Samaria and Judea, and, and then to the ends of the earth, right? It moves from the highly Jewish community up and then broadening out to the Gentiles. And we see that transition happening in chapter 11. The church in Antioch is right. formed, and then that church sends out this yeah. vast number of missionary journeys. And you see that even in chapter 9, the marker and reminder of that. In chapter 9, verse 31, then the church throughout Judea, Galilee and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace. God strengthened the church and its life was marked by reverence for the Lord. Encouraged by the Holy Spirit, the church continued to grow in numbers. So we've already made it from Jerusalem mm. and now we're not just in Judea, Galilee and Samaria. We are there are churches and there it's a peaceful time and they are growing and so the story continues to move on even out past into the ends of the earth. Yeah. In this moment. So I wonder in this day when we are looking at this moment, this section in our Holy Scriptures where the church is rapidly expanding, where the Holy Spirit is powerfully present, why did we begin with what can feel like a therapy session? Mm. Why, we, why did we begin by really wrestling with those words of pain that have been spoken into our lives, the, the power of words to impact us? I think we began there in part because when we look at this story of the blinding of of Saul, right? Yeah. He encounters Christ, and then he encounters Christ's ambassadors, right? The apostles. And it is in the power of the words and in the power of the experience, that combination, that his conversion is one. Remember, just last week, we're... We were hearing about the power of Stephen in his ministry, right? And, and how he ultimately was accused of defaming Moses and speaking yeah. poorly of God. And, and we end up having the stoning of Stephen, and Saul is right there. Mm-hmm. Holding the cloaks. Holding the cloaks. Or the giant hoop earrings. Right. And, and he moves on to be, you know, this is sort of the, the place where we begin to see him in this persecuting role, but it continues through chapter 8. Um, and yet he has this encounter with the words of Christ and the presence of Christ. In many ways, we've been talking about our vivid resurrection encounters, and we specifically looked at the end of John and, and those resurrection encounters of the disciples, but Paul has his own here mm-hmm. on the road to Damascus. 
and his shift from sort of black and gray world into vivid new reality has a stop in it for a little bit. Yeah. Right. He's got to live in a completely dark world for a second mm-hmm. where he's blinded on this road before he can see the vivid new reality. And then in the midst of that darkness, right, that moment um, for Saul, 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 why are you harassing me? This this voice, right? And Saul acknowledges, you know, who are you, Lord? And it's mm-hmm. Jesus's voice saying, you know, why are you harassing me? You know, what are you doing? So even in the midst of, of that, this darkness that Saul is about to go through, this moment of complete conversion, complete change for Saul, um, it begins with a, a voice that is asking a powerful question, but mm. has an intent to mm. do something powerful, right? Because we see that when when the Lord appears for Ananias, right? Who's mm-hmm. going to have to yeah, be yeah. the brave. Yeah. Ananias does not get enough credit in this story. That's true. He, he had to listen and then go, okay, okay. here we go. And that he guy? Kinda, yeah, that guy that, that he you had sure he's to, not just going to take me and throw me in jail? Right. Yeah. Or worse. Fair. Um, but, uh, you know, to Ananias, uh God's going to reveal that I have this grand plan for Saul to be Mm. the one to carry out my good news to the Gentiles, to all of these people. Um, But in this moment of being with Saul on the road in the blindness, in in the blinding, and God saying, why are you harassing me? You know there's this power of change of what's mm. going to happen next for Saul. And that's the power of, of words, right? The yeah. power to either put us in a place where it doesn't motivate us, or for other people it is going to light that fire under you and make you go and say, I'm going to do this in spite or despite you. Yeah. And for others of us it's going to make us, you know, years later laugh about, you know, um, a pithy remark of acknowledging, I really have. I have come to a place that I know I'm called to be in this moment. Mm. Um, but I think we have other stories along the way of how words, like Christ's words in this moment, um, can redeem or do something that's going to change something completely in us. Mm. Uh, Jesus was much nicer than my fifth grade teacher was. <laughs> and, and and like we said, this is a guy who has been complicit in murder. Right. Uh, and you didn't you know, kill anybody. And we don't see Jesus grabbing teacher. him. Right. Yeah. So I was just trying to talk to the girl next to me. <laughs> uh, so but so the but yeah, when when I when I look at this story and I and I think about, you know, that story that happened to me, yeah, like there there's this there's this thing of either we are going to use our words to put people in places that they don't belong. Mm-hmm. Or we're going to use our words to bring people up to places where they do belong. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of what Jesus does here. Jesus, uh, have, I ever, have I ever talked about Howard Thurman on the podcast? No. I know I've done it a million times. No, you actually have not Off the podcast. Okay, great. The well, then this is, a perfect, this is a perfect opportunity. Um, Howard Thurman... Uh, 
whenever he talks about the story. You're a big fan. I am a big Howard Thurman fan. Who and is this guy? Yeah, who is Howard Thurman? Just Howard Thurman is a, uh, uh, was a, um, a wonderfully gifted uh, preacher, um, he, known as a mystic. Um, he, he, off, he, he was, he was African American and he was all, he was often in this kind of space between, uh, he was a spiritual advisor to Martin Luther King Jr. Um, but he, it, <laughs> people, people on all sides would often get really frustrated with him because he would be so esoteric, uh, in, mm-hmm. in kind of what he would talk about. But, mm-hmm. um, he did kind of consider himself this kind of, uh, you know, I exist in this spiritual place. Like, yeah. and, and he thought that that, that could definitely make its way to the world and impact the world and change the world. Uh, but he just he he loved being in that spiritual place, and so mm. we are very kin. Uh, <laughs> we have a kinship. True story. In True that story. sense, so now so you can tell us. So Howard Thurman, he he, uh, I believe, is a sermon he gave on uh, the woman caught in adultery when Jesus goes to the woman caught in mm. adultery, and how he handles that particular situation. That I think also attributes here to how he handles Paul and how he puts it with the woman is that Jesus does this for all of us. Jesus, Jesus comes up to us uh, in our darkest moments and holds a crown above our heads mm-hmm. and then just beckons us to rise, mm-hmm. just stand, yeah. stand mm-hmm. up. Yeah. And, that, and, and that's who cool. I want to be or I try mm-hmm. to be yeah. uh, for other people is not somebody who's going to come along and just tell you that you're never going to amount to anything but to say there's so much more that that you can be there's so much more that i can be there's so there's so much more that we can be you know we still are making that journey to our crowns um and there's just a difference there between those two directions right uh jesus calls us every day just like just like saul yeah. i can remember um you know, I have one story of a youth director, but I loved, I loved the youth ministry programs I was part of, and I have many great memories um, with all sorts of interns and youth ministers and on and on and on. And I can remember one in particular that had that kind of moment for me that kind of held that crown up above my head and said, are you going to go for it? And he was um, he was moving. He had taken another job, and um, was leaving. And this was kind of his last event. And um, a friend of mine and I, um, I went to her and I said, "Hey, like we should put together a gift on behalf of the youth group." And we went and you know talked to a couple of the adult volunteers, and they're like, "That's a great idea," and empowered us to like go and do. And so I got to be the one, we got to be the ones to present this gift to him at this event. And we gave it to him and the event was going on and stuff. And there was just a moment where he, he caught both of us. And I remember him just, he was tall. So kind of bending down to my level, um, this little junior high girl and, and looking her straight in the eye and saying, God is calling you to mm-hmm. something grand to be a leader of the church. And he said that to both of us. Mm-hmm. And I just remember that being such a, a powerful spark, a moment where the, yeah. the Holy Spirit kind of showed up in a moment of Christ showing up in my life of saying, 
are you going to come after? Are you going to pursue this call I'm placing mm-hmm. on your life that you're clueless to at this point? Cause you know, yeah. you're a seventh grader, but that's okay. Well, I think this being able to see and lift up and invite people into what I, the language I would use is God's preferred future. Mm-hmm. All right. We have God's preferred future for our world, but also for each of us as yeah. individuals. Yeah. Right. And, and, we have within us, by God's grace and by God's spirit, a power to help bring into being the kind of life change that Saul experiences when he becomes Paul, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? When Well, let's be careful of that. Is it Saul or is it Paul? It's Saul here. There's no name change. Oh, that's right, yeah. His name is... Always the same, and I would just bring that up. Bible trivia. I bring no. Well, seriously, it, it, it's a it's a. Raise your hand if you grew up Baptist. <laughs> <laughs> I actually didn't get that. I actually redeemed this coming out of that um, because, and I think this gets exactly at where we're at right now. We want to give him a different name at mm. the end of the story. We want to make him a different person. Mm. Yeah, but he is the same person, mm. and so. If Saul is still Saul at the end of the story, which he's referred to as Saul 11 more times, he's referred to by Jesus as Saul, and he's referred by the Holy Spirit after this encounter to as Saul in a vision, then the worst humanity in us can still be claimed and used by God. Mm. Saul, just so you know, here's the nerdy part. Saul is his Hebrew name. This is the nerdy part? This (laughs) The other stuff wasn't? Okay, (laughs) fine. Saul is the Hebrew interpretation of how you would pronounce his name, and Paul is the Greek way that you would pronounce his name. Um, I taught Bible study on this chunk of scriptures earlier, and... um, Someone pointed out that there's a baseball player on the high school team here in town that his name is Marcos, and at home he's Marcos, but at school he's mostly known as Mark. So it's the same kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Paul and Saul is kind of the same kind of um, transliteration in the common tongue. Well, and as he's moving from Jerusalem Mm -hmm. to all of the Greek-speaking Mediterranean world, right, right? he's moving from Hebrew to Greek, right? And so you kind of... I like to just anchor that, and just because I think when we separate him out, we can make him into a grand apostle. Whereas if we hold him as one and the same person, mm-hmm. we see more the power of Christ yeah. in his life. Mm-hmm. So I think I think I, I think it's a really good thing now to yeah share those stories about who 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 is it that has actually you know put that shown that crown above our heads in our lives. Um, not my fifth grade teacher who shall go remain nameless. Uh, still. Still. A person in my life who I really looked up to him, he's one of my professors in undergrad uh, at Logsdon School of Theology at Hardin-Simmons University, uh, a not Methodist school. Uh, <laughs> and, and at the time, you know, I had been uh, really thinking, seeing things in a different way. God was really working a change in how I, just my worldview, how I, how I saw things and, and how, how God was leading me to more to this Wesleyan place of grace is mm-hmm. basically it. And I really looked up to this professor, but at the same time, I, you know, it was, it's hard whenever you're going through that time and you're surrounded by people who are just, I kind of would say things and they'd be like, well, 
I don't know about that, man. You know, like it just wasn't really whatever. But this one professor, I, I remember I wrote this paper. I don't remember what the paper was about. The only thing I remember about it is that I used Firefly as a reference. That is yes. an old sci-fi show that... Oh, don't some worry about old it. Nathan Fillion. Yeah, so okay, sorry, I, I did use that in there. Uh, this, for some reason, that's the only thing I remember. But at the end of class, after we had kind of turned in our papers and he had given us our papers back, uh, we were walking out and he said, Michael, hold on, hold on a second, I'll talk to you. And I was like, oh, no, I'm going to get in trouble for making a Firefly reference in my paper. <laughs> um, but, but I actually walked up to him and he said, and he said I, I was very impressed by your paper. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he said... And he just, he looked at me right in the eyes and he knew what he was doing, you know? Mm. And he said, you have the voice of a prophet. And that is a gift and you need to keep using it. Mm. Now, he did, as I was walking out, he said, now remember, everybody was always trying to kill prophets. (laughs) (laughs) Very true. So true. But at the same time, that what that was something that truly I hung on those words, mm-hmm. and and was able to continue to follow that path where God was leading me. Just because there was one person who yeah. I looked up to who said, "You know what? You're you're doing okay. Yeah. Where you're going is good." He invited you to continue to stand under your crown. Yes. Keep on getting up there. Invited you into what I think is God's preferred future for you. Uh, one of the things I love is that uh, I love having Michael in my life because of that prophetic voice that drops in on occasion. And he usually spares you until you need it. Um, <laughs> Daniel wants to pull my hair a lot. Right. That's it. That's it. Um, <laughs> no, but I'm incredibly thankful uh, for that undergraduate professor. I'm incredibly thankful for that youth leader that spoke into your life. And I'm incredibly thankful for the people who've spoken into mine. I'd imagine if you spent some time reflecting in in your day-to-day on the people who have been most influential and powerful for you, they are those people who have invited you to stand taller, who have invited you to get closer and closer to that crown that Christ holds above your head, those people who see you as Jesus does and invite you into God's preferred future. Thank you for joining us today on the Gather, Grow, Go podcast. I'm Pastor Daniel. I'm Pastor Melissa. And I'm non-Pastor Michael. We invite you to connect with us on Facebook or through the church's website. You can let us know uh, how we're doing. Let us know what questions get sparked along the ways, ways that this has been helpful and fruitful for you and for your life. We hope if you catch us on iTunes uh, that you'll like us and rate us and review us. Let us know. Um, there as well that you are connected. The more you interact with that iTunes, the more people see it, the more people have a chance to interact with it along the way. And so as we wrap up today's episode of the Gather, Grow, Go podcast, I'm going to invite you to grow, to grow by thinking about who has influenced you, who you need to give God special thanks for this week, and also how can you with greater intention, with, with greater purpose, speak words of life and power into those who fill your every day, those who you claim as family. Now that we have gathered and we have heard a way to grow this week, will you go? 
Will you go hearing the Holy Spirit guiding you into dangerous waters at times? Will you go knowing that even in the most blinding of moments, that in those moments, Christ might arrive? And when he arrives, hold the crown above your head and ask you to get up, my child, and follow me. May you go in peace this week. Amen. Amen.